0: Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast where we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th of 2012, and it is now the 27th day of November 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording from a Sully baseball studio in rainy Palo Alto, California. The birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin. And just down, the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Welcome to episode number 1,496. That's right, for 1,496 straight days, I've done a podcast. And that streak will continue later this week. I will do episode number 1,500 which will be a monumental achievement, followed only by episode number 1,501. I hope you've had a uh, a break this Thanksgiving. Some of you have had a break, some of you don't. I know some of you don't, cause, uh, and, and people like to make a big stink of, oh, I don't have this person work on Thanksgiving, don't have that person work on Thanksgiving. I, for one, am very glad that people at Safeway were working on Thanksgiving. Why Why did they not get any sympathy? You know, I said, don't have the people who work at Walmart or Target or whatever work on Thanksgiving. But we're all fine with 7-Eleven being open. We're all fine with the gas station being open. I don't know. I mean, if you work on Thanksgiving, great. I've worked on Thanksgiving before. So just everyone, hope you had a good Thanksgiving no matter where you were. Um, some things are starting to coalesce. And we're starting to see Brett Cecil signed with the Cardinals. Uh, I mentioned the other day that uh, the trade between the Diamondbacks and the Mariners involving uh, Walker and Segura. And, of course, there's some rumblings possibly going on about Sandoval. Some people say he may want to be reunited with San Francisco. Some people say not. And the lottery is out there to see which team Will sign a as Chapman and make me root against them for this year. Hey, um, it is the uh, time for the Sunday request, and I'm gonna go. I have a good one, and I think it 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 it's kind of a far-reaching one. There's it'll cover a lot of different topics, so might as well go here. Tim Floor, whose Twitter handle is at Tim underscore Dutch Sox fan wrote to me. He's been a a fan of Sully Baseball for a while now. He wrote to me, Sully Baseball, Sunday request. According to multiple sources, a lockout is a possibility. What needs to happen to stop our worst nightmare? Okay, let me tell you what that's about. Uh, I'm sure some of you probably already know this. The, The collective bargaining agreement is expiring, and the owners, commissioner's office, and the players' association are negotiating for a new collective bargaining agreement. Now, as the way it used to be, you know, for the way it was for a long time, every time there was a collective bargaining agreement that was expired, there would be some form of work stoppage or some sort of threat of work stoppage. We had work stoppages in the 70s. We had the huge work stoppage in 1981. We had the one-day work stoppage in 1985. We had the lockout To begin the 1990 season, we had the strike that wiped out the 1994 World Series. We had the lockout that made a travesty of the 1995 spring training. But since then, the catastrophe of losing the World Series and the humiliation of seeing replacement players in spring training and seeing the damage that that did to baseball. Baseball rebounded, but it took years and took a steroid scandal in order to do it, okay? The the lesson that you think you would learn from that was you can never have this happen again. We can't do that again. You can't lose the fans the way that they did. They didn't lose me, but they lost every casual fan needed to be dragged kicking and screaming back to the game, and it took a home run chase that we all found out was a little tainted. But you know what? It didn't matter because people came back. Now, that was 1994, 1995 was the last time we had a work stoppage. And most of the cast of characters have changed. Most of the owners are gone, who were owners at that point. Most of the people involved, most of the officers of the union, most of the. We have a new commissioner, we have a new head of the Players Association. The people who were involved there. It's not the same cast. But hopefully, they learned enough to realize that they can't have a work stoppage. They just can't. And I look, at in the past, and the more I've read about the labor issues and strife and everything like that, I tend to side with the players. I find most people who do their homework tend to side with the players. And you saw that the owner's in the past, had colluded. The owners had engaged in in negotiating in bad faith. It, they, they, it's not been a, you know, well, got to hear both sides. They're they're both equally bad. No, actually, the owners were pretty terrible, really terrible, and basically, at some points, want to exact some form of revenge on the players for wanting what. All of us want the ability to not just make money, but to be able to work when and where you want to work. Now, that being said, we are currently at a position where Major League Baseball, despite all the people talking about how it's dead and it's dying and this, that, or the other thing, is making billions of dollars of revenue. They have piles of cash coming in. You know that scene... In Scarface, the whole push it to the limit montage where it's just uh, uh, Tony Montana taking those bags of money to the bank and he buys himself a tiger in his backyard and all this stuff. Well, that's kind of what baseball is like right now. Teams are making billions of dollars. And there's lots of money coming in from television. There's lots of money coming in from new media. Is it making as much money as the NFL? No, it isn't. But this isn't a situation where you're like, okay, there's only one group allowed to make money. Baseball's making money, a lot of it. And the owners are making money, a lot of it. And you know who's also making money? The players. The players are averaging about 4 million tomatoes each. Average salary in baseball is 4 million pigs. So when you're in a situation where you have a piece of entertainment and you're saying, well, we could possibly, it's on the table, the notion of a work stoppage of any kind, is there when you have one group making billions and another group making billions. You're not gonna get any sympathy. You're not gonna win the battle of public opinion. Neither side will. The players will always be on the short end of the stick because you can say as a fan, you would give anything to be in their place. And you would give anything to make even a third of what they're making to do what you would do for free. And you would do anything to be there, and also you can see, like, okay, this person's making X amount of million, and he's striking out or grounding out to third. It's tough to quantify that with the owners, unless you're an owner like a Jeffrey Loria making money, you know, making all this money and not spending it on a quality product, maybe then, but most of the time, you can say, oh, these guys are doing what I would do for free, which, of course, is nonsense. You wouldn't do it for free. You would do it for free for about maybe a week. And then you'd say, do you know what? I should get paid for this. Especially since this group's making billions of dollars and I'm the one working hard here. Well, what am I getting paid? You would play one game for free. You wouldn't give your life to baseball for free. You would expect to be paid. And they are. But it will always come against the players because it's easier to say, ah, oh, they're just being greedy. And you saw that in 94 and 95. I remember people looking at me incredulous when I said I was on the player's side because the notion was, well, they just want more money. They just want more money. And it, it was more complicated than that. But it's very, we all see, We've also, if we've learned anything from the way the we get our facts and what we've learned from the media in this weird 2016 season, you you don't have to have the facts. You just have to have the feelings. Facts are not as relevant as how you feel. And how you feel is if there is a stalemate in the collective bargaining agreement and one of the methods that you have to get what you want is a work stoppage of one kind. And owners have the... Weapon of a lockout early in the season. The players have the weapon of a strike later in the season. That's kind of how it works. But that has to be taken off the table. It has to. There has to be a way to solve certain things in the collective bargaining agreement that are contentious parts of baseball without doing any form of work stoppage. Now what can you do about the um, what's it called the, uh, um, the draft pick that is attached to a qualifying offer that can hamper someone's free agency Again, it's tough to get people's sympathy when the qualifying offer is something like 15, 16, 17 million dollars you know people are like, yeah, I think that's that I think you're fine. But I understand that if you give a qualifying offer, it means that any team that signs you, you, any team that wants to sign you will have to forfeit a draft pick. And so it means that your ability to find work elsewhere will be hampered. Now, there can be a way you can solve that. There can be a way you can negotiate that. Also, there's talk about wanting to do an international draft because right now the draft, when they do a draft, it's basically for amateur players in America. And if you're coming in from a foreign country, whether it's the Dominican Republic or Venezuela or Japan or whatever, it's basically, you know, full-time free agency, and you can make whatever you want. There's no slots. There's no, you know, cap on that. And if there is an international draft, that would mean players would be drafted out of the Dominican Republic and all the the places where players come from other than the United States. Players don't necessarily want that. Owners do. You can find midgrounds. You can find some sort of middle ground on that. You can negotiate. And it's going to become quite interesting what an international draft will be. You know, yes, I, I, I realize that the death of Fidel Castro does not necessarily mean everything's going to change instantly in Cuba. You know, I mean, Fidel's been sick and old for a while, so it's not like he's at the same level of power that he was in in you know, after the Bay of Pigs. But with that being said, Castro's gone, and relationships are starting to thaw between the United States and Cuba. That may open up an entire new. I hate to use the term crop, because it dehumanizes the player, but an entire new talent pool to draft from. We've seen a trickle of players from Cuba. There could be a potential explosion of players, much like the explosion of players from the Dominican Republic in the. Really, in the '80s, there were Dominican players before that, but the explosion of players, mainly from the Dodgers and from the Blue Jays, who set up their academies there, you know, all of a sudden you saw an influx of tremendous talent from the Dominican Republic, including Hall of Famer Pedro Martinez and other big players like George Pell, like Tony Fernandez, you know, who who just were have have made the game a better game. You know, Vlad Guerrero made the game a better game. I don't, think I'm, I don't think I'm stepping any toes when I say that. Well, there, is, there are Vlad Guerreros out there. There are David Ortiz's out there. And there are also decent middle relievers and good utility infielders and fine pinch hitters. It's not all just the superstars. It is a larger talent pool. And this is the sort of thing that an international draft will be affected by and improved relations with Cuba will be affected by that as well. Baseball can't afford any form of work stoppage because the talent pool is about to get bigger, the money is about to get bigger, and they are coming off of a World Series that a lot of people watched. The ratings were very good for the World Series. The World Series had a classic Game 7 with two feel-good stories. When the Indians... Winning the World Series for the first time since 1948 with a tough, scrappy team was the potential consolation prize of the World Series. You knew you had some serious drama. With the Cubs winning it, I know a ton of people who got emotionally into the World Series who normally wouldn't really give two petunias about the results of the World Series, but they did. And I have a feeling that you will see whenever there's a big World Series, whenever there's one that captures a lot of people's attention, you will see there's a mild bump in baseball attention coming on the next year. You can't have a work stoppage, even if it's in the offseason, even if it is for spring training. You can't bring that dialogue back into talking about baseball. You know, with the retirement of Alex Rodriguez, For the first time in my lifetime, there won't be a single player, one single player, who had gone on strike playing in the major leagues. Everyone who had played going into the 94 strike are now all retired. We've had an entire generation, two decades of labor peace, and an entire generation has come of age. Using the rule of seven. If you're 27 years old. You don't know. About work stoppages. You don't know what that's all about. You've never lived through one. What do you mean you're stopping baseball. And. Let's not teach them. Let's not show them what it's like. Let's not have be a relic of the past. Like leaving your gloves on the field. Or segregation. Let's not have a work stoppage. Not because of the anger, not because of the rage that work stoppages would bring, but the worst thing of all, the thing that all forms of entertainment must be horrified and try to avoid. It isn't anger, it isn't resentment, it isn't bitterness, it's indifference. I was a stand-up comic for a long time And let me tell you, I would much rather be booed. I would much rather be heckled than have silence. Silence and indifference is the worst. And there can be indifference towards baseball. It can happen. Absolutely it can. Because the world of entertainment in 1994 and 1995 bears almost no resemblance to the world of entertainment now. Think about how you consumed entertainment in 1994 1995 you had television you had radio you had th- you had movies you had some form of cd or record or whatever you had but if you you had cable tv and all the channels on there and if you're smart you could program a vcr and you had home video entertainment think about now think about how you Listening to me right now I would not be possible to be in your earbuds I was not there Think about YouTube The idea of YouTube Think about Netflix Think about Hulu Think about Amazon Video Think about all these different ways That content and entertainment Can be brought instantly to you This is why the blackout rules are so insane Because You can have a choice, and all you have to do is move your thumb three-quarters of an inch, and you'll be watching something else. There was anger, and there was bitterness in 1994 that a fabulous season was cut short. An emotional season was cut short after three great World Series with tons of dramatic moments. We were in the middle of one of the most exciting seasons we've ever seen in 1994 and had it shut off, and people were mad. People were angry. Now, will they notice? They'll watch something else? They will watch something else. Baseball is a form of entertainment and a form of content. And if you remove it from the menu, I'll care. Cubs fan with an eight will care. A couple other fans will care. And for everyone else, they're just going to watch something else. There's too much competition right now. There's too much out there. There's too many things on the menu. Removing baseball from the menu is no different than removing a, the filet of fish from the options at McDonald's. No filet of fish? Okay, I'll order that. Think about that. When you go to a restaurant, you go to a a Baskin and Robbins, where they have all those flavors. You go there and say, I want Rocky Road. Oh, we're out of Rocky Road. Do you stand there and stammer demanding they get Rocky Road? Or do you say, "Eh, fine, I guess I'll have the pistachio. Or the bubble gum or whatever weird flavor they have there. That's what baseball is. And believe me, there are more options out there than Baskin-Robbins has ice cream flavors at this point. They can't afford to because of the entertainment world we live in. And when you look up and say, why aren't they having this? Well, they can't divvy up the pie and they can't worry on this. They can't figure that out. Aren't they making billions of dollars? Yeah. Aren't the players making millions of dollars? Yeah. They can't get it together? No. Fine, I'll watch Hulu. And, that's, and good luck bringing them back. It's just a slight movement of the thumb away. And for that reason, both sides must know that solutions must be negotiated. And it may get contentious behind closed doors, but it can never, ever result in a work stoppage because that leverage is gone. The implied leverage is if we walk out You won't get your product, and all these fans will be mad. Now it's, we'll walk out, the fans won't get the product, and they'll shrug and order pistachio. So, Tim Floor, known in the Twitter world as Tim underscore Dutch Sox fan, what needs to happen to stop the nightmare of a lockout? Common sense and intelligence. Let's hope that permeates the world of baseball. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kalisky. Thanks a lot, Tim Floor, for participating in the Sunday request. And this has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 27th day of November 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. There'll be no stoppage of this podcast. You can call me Sully.